0: Welcome to iChat, a podcast series to deliver eye health information to the people of Northern Ireland. Brought to you by staff and students from Queen's University, Belfast.
1: Hello and welcome back to episode three of our ophthalmology podcast, iChat. My name's Patrick and you've met me in the first couple of episodes Today I'm joined by our co-host Josh, who's just finished his A-levels. He's currently on a gap year and he's interested in medicine, hoping to apply to that.
0: Hello, I'm Josh. It's amazing to be here today with Professor Augusto Azurara Blanco. And I'm really interested to hear what he has to say today.
2: And thank you guys for your invitation. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you.
0: So
1: Professor Azurara Blanco is a professor of clinical ophthalmology at Queen's and he's a world-renowned researcher into the field of glaucoma. Thanks very much for joining us today. Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your extensive experience in the field of ophthalmology?
2: Well, thank you again. So, yes, I trained, I did my medical school and ophthalmology training in Spain. And then I went to Philadelphia, United States, to do my clinical training in glaucoma fellowship. After that, I, I moved to England to do another Clinical fellowship in cornea, and I got my first consultant job over 20 years ago in Edinburgh. And I worked as an NHS consultant in Scotland for 12 years, and then I had the opportunity to move to academia. So uh, first at the University of Aberdeen, and I've been in Belfast for 10 years. Uh, it's been a uh, great uh, being back in Belfast. Being in Belfast is uh, we have a great unit at Queen's and I'm also a large department in the NHS Trust.
0: Wow, it sounds like you've been doing a lot of research and work around medicine for a long period of time, and that just confirms that you are the perfect person to speak to about glaucoma today. For our listeners who may not be familiar with the condition, would you mind explaining what exactly glaucoma is and what causes it?
2: Yes, thank you, Josh. So uh, glaucoma, well, first there are different types of glaucomas but generally what we understand from glaucoma is a chronic disease of the eye, of par- particularly of the optic nerve. This is the part of the eye that connects the, the eye with the brain, and it's typically age-related. That means it's more common in elderly people. We don't know what causes glaucoma. Uh, we know that there are some risk factors and associations, but essentially it's not, clear what is the final cause of glaucoma. We know also that genetic components, um, but still we, we need to know more about this disease.
0: I think you mentioned there chronic glaucoma. Some listeners may have also heard of acute glaucoma. What is the difference between acute and chronic glaucoma?
2: Yes, that's a good question, Josh. So acute glaucoma is less common, but it's something that medical students and doctors would need to know because uh, p- potentially it can appear an emergency. People that have acute glaucoma will have a terrible pain in the eye, sometimes have a nausea, vomiting, and sometimes it's not well localized to the eye because the people are extremely unwell. So it's something that you would want to recognize, but is less common. So chronic glaucoma is quite prevalent. So we have in the UK over half a million people with chronic glaucoma and the typical challenge with glaucoma is that uh, it doesn't cause any symptoms so glaucoma is typically asymptomatic and it's only detected when people have regular eye exams with their opticians or when people lose the vision when it's too late. So if they lose uh, glaucoma, is, is very advanced, of course, then people lose the vision and they will be aware of it. But the early glaucoma is asymptomatic.
1: Just exactly how important is early detection and intervention in preventing vision loss associated with glaucoma?
2: Uh, that's a very important question is essential to prevent severe visual loss and blindness from glaucoma. We want to uh, highlight that glaucoma is a second leading cause of glaucoma in the UK. And the main reason why people lose vision and go blind with glaucoma is late detection. So early diagnosis is essential to prevent severe problems with glaucoma. Uh, I would also want to mention that, you know, some of you may have a relative with glaucoma. Most people with glaucoma are, don't go blind because, uh, again, we, we detect a lot of people at early stages. But uh, as a public health in, uh, advice is people, especially adults, should have regular eye exams with their local opticians.
1: What what is it like to live with symptomatic glaucoma? How exactly does it affect people's quality of life?
2: Yes, so as I was mentioning, if you have early glaucoma, the quality of life is excellent. You, you, know, you have to have your regular visits and your treatments, typically with eye drops. But if you have severe glaucoma, well, I can only imagine how difficult it can be to live with severe visual loss. It's not easy. And, um, you know, we sometimes potentially underestimate the impact of severe visual loss in the quality of life. So it's profound. People could lose uh, the ability to drive a car and independence. And, of course, you know, in in very severe stages, going blind is is a very difficult uh, journey.
1: How quickly does glaucoma progress?
2: So it... Typically, when glaucoma is diagnosed and treated, uh, glaucoma in most people progress slowly, so it takes uh, years or many years to get significantly worse. But a challenge for us is that in some people, glaucoma will deteriorate quicker. Mm-hmm. And we are not able to identify those patients, the minority of patients, that can progress potentially quicker in a matter. But still we're talking about under-treatment take years to have significant changes. Of course, another challenge is if you are thinking about undiagnosed, untreated glaucoma, and then the progression is uh, substantially quicker.
0: You mentioned earlier about a genetic cause of glaucoma. Is there a family history linked to it?
2: Yes, thank you Josh. Yes, we know that having a first-degree relative of glaucoma increases the risk of you having glaucoma substantially. So, we strongly recommend again first-degree relatives of people with glaucoma to have regular visits with their local optometrists. Uh, so, that's that, that's a, a standard advice. Moreover, people who have a first-degree relative, a family history of glaucoma, have free glaucoma tests at the opticians from the age of 40 so that's again something that uh, the healthcare can uh, recognize is that there is a need to test this particular population
0: and alongside genetic causes and family history is there any research to suggest that there could also be environmental causes of glaucoma
2: well, that's a question that we are asked a lot, whether, you know, external factors or lifestyle, stress, diet, or, or, or using the smartphone or watching the telly uh, can potentially affect or, or put you at a higher risk or lower risk of glaucoma. And uh, in brief, the lifestyle apparently does not influence glaucoma development of progression. It does in other eye diseases. For example, we know smoking will put you at at, uh, risk of blindness because of macular degeneration. But in glaucoma, again, there is no association with lifestyle factors. Having said that, there is some research, interesting uh, research Mm -hmm. from India, that have uh, done trials on meditation and relaxation techniques that have a significant effect in lowering the eye pressure which is how we treat glaucoma but these trials are relatively short-term but has got the attention of of many of us dedicated to to glaucoma we also know that exercise again you know there's no link of exercise but may also help a bit to decrease the eye pressure at least in the short term, but again, we don't have a strong association of doing a lot of exercise and influencing disease progression. Our
1: podcast isn't just for healthcare professionals, it's also for ophthalmology patients and their relatives. So what exactly can an ophthalmology patient expect when they attend for a glaucoma appointment?
2: Okay, so first of all, if you are referred for the first time to the glaucoma clinic, I would say don't worry. Again, the majority of people that are referred to glaucoma, even if they have glaucoma, is detected at a relatively early stage. And uh, if you don't have a severe glaucoma, which again, is a minority, the uh, prognosis is excellent. So most people with glaucoma, I would like to insist, uh, do well and you don't need to worry unnecessarily. So uh, from the point of view of patients, you're the patients, uh, once they get an appointment and there is a bit of waiting list, but not too bad. The, the patients uh, would have um, uh, some questions asked by a nurse and the patients would have some special tests. We would measure the vision. We would also do a peripheral vision test typically because that's how glaucoma It starts affecting the peripheral vision more than the central vision, and we also use a lot of imaging techniques, so typically we take a picture or a scan of the back of the eye. And after that tests, then you would see the clinician, the doctor, uh, the eye doctor, sometimes um, we have also worked with hospital optometrists that are as competent as ophthalmologists
0: and what would be some of the main treatment options for normal low or high pressure glaucoma
2: okay so you're introducing those two two points there so there are first treatment of glaucoma in general but you're also just suggesting there are different types of glaucoma and perhaps i will mention yes very briefly yes that there are different types of glaucomas and just mentioned low tension glaucoma high pressure glaucoma and there are Open angle, angle closer glaucoma. Um, so, so yes, it's a variety of glaucomas, and they yes, typically potentially they deserve and they need different treatments. But in common, what all people with glaucoma need and benefit of reducing the eye pressure. And even those people sometimes glaucoma affects people without high eye pressure, and that's as George you are mentioning that we call them low tension glaucoma. But even those with not elevated eye pressure will benefit with further reduction of the eye pressure. They have three main strategies to reduce the eye pressure to treat glaucoma. One would be using drops, eye drops. There are different types of eye drops, but essentially they put the drops every day. And that's another challenge that we can discuss perhaps. Another option to would be to use a laser treatment, the laser treatment also we use it uh, quite frequently and they is safe um, but in some people when the drops are not effective or perhaps not tolerated although most drops are, are very safe and the laser is also not effective or, or doesn't work well enough or not an option Then the surgery, glaucoma surgery, is something that we sometimes need to use. And glaucoma surgery is the most effective intervention, the most effective treatment. But, of course, with any surgery, it's a small risk that something goes wrong. So we only offer surgery when needed.
1: Professor Azura Blanco, can you tell us a bit about the main focus of research at the moment into tackling glaucoma?
2: Yes, well, thank thank you, Patrick. Yes, I am... uh, Part of my work is uh, taking care of people with glaucoma, but another part is doing research. And well, uh, I guess it's it's very exciting. Uh, A lot of people are doing uh, research, um, trying to find first uh, what are the causes of glaucoma and trying to find a cure for glaucoma. Um, I think those are ambitious but uh, important goals Um, but uh, difficult to achieve. Um, My research is also, uh, for example, is closer to patients. I typically do research uh, clinical trials, uh, comparing uh, different treatments. uh, And of course, there are always new advances. So we get uh, new medical treatments, new lasers, new surgeries. And that's something that I uh, would be interested in. Uh, we are also have a lot of uh, research also in queens and beyond looking at again factors um, in the population that can influence glaucoma and how can, can we better detect early glaucoma uh, working with perhaps better technologies and diagnostic tests so it's a lot of uh, research at all areas uh, from the you know from the lab experimental medicine to the public health perspective.
0: I also understand that the patients play a massive part in healthcare. In this case, what role does the patient education play in the prevention and management of glaucoma?
2: Yes, I think very important and I hope that we are doing a good job. I think it's uh, first uh, education of the population. Um, and encouraging them to have regular eye tests with local optometrists. And because that would prevent uh, the late diagnosis, diagnosis of diseases when they are very advanced. But once patients are diagnosed with glaucoma, we, you know, we have, you know, we we try to make an effort to uh, tell the patients uh, what glaucoma means the need for uh, attending regular visits uh, whenever they are required and for those who use glaucoma drops the importance of good uh, adherence um, and I know it's difficult but you know to try to educate people that it's important to use the drops every day try not to miss the drops and also we encourage, we encourage people to discuss with the clinicians, with the doctors, if they have any particular concerns. I think that uh, the more people understand about the condition, uh, the better will be, you know, the, the decision making and, and understanding each other. So, yes, that's very important.
0: Just before we go here, is there any advice that you might have for any listeners or those with family members who have glaucoma?
2: well again if you have a family member for with glaucoma i would encourage i mean if you are very young there's no need but if you're an adult you will want to go to your local optometrist regularly because you, you are a bit of a higher risk of, of having glaucoma and then if you have someone with um with severe glaucoma i think that of course you know uh, just try to understand that if the patient has visual impairment. Sometimes uh, we doctors and sometimes relatives underestimate the impact of glaucoma and severe visual loss and quality of life. So just have that, I'm sure, extra compassion and and facilitate the support. I would like also to highlight, for example, the role that RNIB or GAIDOS are doing for people. It's a minority, but people with, with blindness because of glaucoma and other conditions that they are really helping, you know, people to live with this condition.
1: Professor Azura Blanco, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us today and for sharing your very valuable insights on glaucoma.
2: Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Josh.
1: And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. Please stay tuned for future episodes of our ophthalmology podcast, iChat.
0: Thank you for listening today. Please subscribe to the podcast series to hear more. iChat is supported by the Queen's Annual Fund.